The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark is back in. I think the uh, underscore change, F underscore F. We will ask uh, the Pride of Fairbury about that tomorrow. Uh, just to let you in on the inside baseball, Connor Clark is taking classes from one Professor Bill Dolman. Smile and nod, Connor. Smile and nod. Fellas, uh, a tough one last night, Nebraska basketball. They were a two-and-a-half-point dog at home. And we, we, we got into this a little bit last night with, with Andy Markowski. And we have our thoughts on, on Fred Hoiberg, on his tenure in Lincoln. And we, I think to a guy here in, in the room or rooms, I think we, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a high level of respect for Fred Hoiberg. There's a high level of like for Fred Hoiberg. You're not air air quote supposed to root, but we root. We want Fred Hoiberg to succeed. And you know what? It it looks looks tough with the the, the bad blackjack hand he's been dealt. I mean, the dealer gives him 17 and the dealer pulls out a 20 or 21 uh, with the way the injuries have been piling up or the way the season started without Derek Walker and... isolated you're not going to blink too much at it and you say man this team's scrappy they fight hard uh you look at some of the young guys on the roster jamarcus specifically loved what he did last night down dawson you see some highlights from but wow uh body of work this is year four and we are creeping into those waters of you know fred hoiberg and his future at nebraska just because you're you're zooming out last night was last night i think listen northwestern's at worst a bubble team it's not like you got drilled by a bad team last night but you you did the old tease that drives nebraska basketball fans nuts where you're down you're back and forth you're trading buckets you're putting a 9-0 run together to take a three-point lead and then Northwestern closes like a freight train to uh, go into to recess. What was it, 11? They 13. were up 13. 13. Thank you. Connor, you did the game last night, and yes. you did so on KRNU, and, and that, that close can't happen. Too many times, Nebraska, ha- it happened against Purdue. Purdue's number one seed, number one team in the country, and that'll happen. But for Northwestern to do it coming off of COVID, coming off a – a game just 24 hours, less than 24 hours earlier at Wisconsin. Nebraska is just too limited right now to expect any wins. They are going to have to fight, fellas, for two or three more wins 
with the remainder of their schedule. We were talking seven and five, six and six, potentially uh, down the stretch to get to the NIT. NIT looks like it's not even a shot because of these injuries. Now, maybe you're going to get remarkable resurgence from some of the young guys. Maybe you're going to have LaMarcus and you're going to have Denham grow these final few games and 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 turn it around. But last night, you did not have good games from your two dogs in Derek Walker and Sam Greasel. They were problematic. Uh, and listen, Derek was... I think trying to do too much, the turnovers, yeah, turnovers were an issue, and Sam's going to give you a 1,000% effort all the time, but he is way better at at getting to the rim than than, than most. I mean, his size is his advantage, but Northwestern, they played smart, they played physical, and for a team that doesn't hit a lot of threes, man, they looked like Larry Bird last (laughs) night. They They were on fire, and it's not like they were wide open shots. Nebraska, Nebraska just did not have an answer they contested but they didn't get what they needed we'll get to your phone calls here in a minute the lines are jammed we'll get there in a minute but disappointing game last night we we think winnable but where they're at right now elijah injury wise i don't know what's winnable anymore and and i said yesterday that last night's game on the home floor uh, we, we shouldn't call it an unwinnable matchup with northwestern hey maybe you were right schmitty just with what nebraska's offense can and can't do it's going to be an uphill battle the rest of the Big Ten season because what they can do is take care of the ball at least a little bit better than they have in previous years but what they can't do is put the ball through the stinking hoop like we know that they're problematic shooting the basketball but you're going to need that to be way better well, because your defense is, is now a liability without your two big dogs. Well, I texted you last night during the game. Uh, we were just before half, and Kisei finally started missing. And I, I texted you, I'll turn it back on when he starts <laughs> once he starts hitting shots again. Because that was Nebraska's only op- his only offense in the first half. Was all- he had 15 of their first 19. And then I think he uh, he assisted a, a three-pointer in that 19. Yeah, on, 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 a, on, a, on a transition play. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the last... Their final point off that came from uh, one for two from the free throw line from, I believe, Jamarcus Lawrence. So whenever that's your offense, it's Kisei, and what can Kisei do with the ball? You're going to have some issues. I mean, Sam Greasel, as you mentioned, had an off night. It wasn't quite what you expected from him. And then Derek Walker was pressing, kind of felt like every single time he got the ball, he just wanted to go put his head down and bulldoze inside. And a, an offensive foul call or two uh, went the other way and counted as a turnover for Nebraska he, he just didn't quite look like himself and I guess the Husker offense as a whole didn't quite look like themselves barring uh, Kisei Tominaga who had a great first 15 minutes of that game but then once that magic wore off Nebraska had nothing going offensively they did not we'll get to some of your emails we're having some phone issues we'll get those rectified in a moment so you can sound off as well uh, it's a, it's always going to be a tough league Northwestern looks like tournament worthy and, you know, Tominaga started off hot and still finished 3-9 and nine from three-point land, 9-17 overall. Walker was 3-6. But the turnovers were just maddening. And you look at Nebraska and what was going to happen, uh, the defensive rebounds uh, were, were a problem. Uh, where Northwestern did some work on the offensive glass last night. Nine offensive rebounds total. And I think they had 12 second-chance points off those offensive rebounds in the first half alone, I Mm -hmm. believe is the number on that. I could be off by a couple points, but it was right around there. Maybe we should talk to the guy who called the game last night for the stats. (laughs) We'll get uh, Connor's take in a minute. Let's get to the phone lines here and welcome in John on Hale Varsity Radio. John, thanks for hanging in. Go ahead. 
Yes, uh, I talked to the athletic director back in November, and I just asked him a point-blank question. What is it going to take for Holberg to be the coach next year? And he said there needs to be a winning season. So if there isn't a winning season, do you think his word is his bond and uh, he will look for another coach? I know our second season that, uh, that Holberg was here, it was the second worst season in Nebraska's history, and the third season was the third worst in Nebraska history. So I'm just wondering, you know, Scott Frost, you know, was let go ahead of time. So I just wonder what you think is going to happen. I think the the stress is real. John, thanks for the phone call. And I think body language-wise, I think, and, and you were there, you saw him walk to the tunnel. Um, I think the coaches are feeling the tightness but and i think the players are going to feel the tightness and treb wants to win in everything now do you count this as year zero hear me out do you count this as year zero where fred changed fred is defensive minded first versus wide open let's let it fly from three-point land let's go get uh, a bunch of five-star splash guys that 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 really do believe there is an eye in team Okay, that's what he was dealing with, with his recruiting philosophy. And while they were really talented individuals that are playing professionally, sure as hell didn't want to play ball together. You had that as an issue and as a culture for three years with who you brought in. You brought in fantastic athletes. You brought in guys that were money one-on-one. But you got in a bunch of guys that thought they were five basketballs or wished they were five basketballs. Now you've got guys that are selling out for one another for the most part in a good way. And and he's changed. So you give him another year and what's on the horizon? What's the hope level like next year when you lose Greasel and Walker to, to Andy Markowski's point? Listen, if if they end up like twelve and nineteen, you can absolutely justify making a change. But it's gonna do they fade or do they fight? down the stretch, as limited as they are. Because I think Nebraska fans absolutely appreciate this basketball team. I think they appreciate Fred. You just wish some of the changes would have been made sooner rather than later. How are you counting this year? Is this the new regime you want to see more of under Fred? Or I've seen enough, it's four years. I'm not calling for his job. I'm not doing that. I want Fred to be here. I hope he gets another year. But he's got to He's got to do something with it because I think they're feeling it. I think they wonder, and I think they know that they've, all right, uh, for lack of a better term, sins of the past. Listen, I, I waited too long to adjust. I went with Abdel Massey and the type of recruits he was bringing in uh, for too long. I've got a new boss. I've taken a pay cut. He wants to win, and now we're in trouble because my roster's not bulletproof to survive two grad transfers that are – really, really standout dudes. And there is something to note here with this this status moving forward, and that's that Fred Hoiberg didn't get his stipulations of what it's going to take to get another year written down on paper like Scott Frost did. That was the one thing, the huge thing. When are the, when are the requirements going to come out for Scott Frost's job? Fred Hoiberg never had that down in writing, and I'd venture to say that what Trev Albert said in a radio appearance a couple of months ago isn't going to have all that much sway in whether or not Fred Hoiberg sticks around. I think Trev Alberts is a big-picture guy. I think he's going to look at the big picture and say, what did this year look like? What does the process look like? We have to uh, account for the fact that two dudes who were, 
I don't want to say carrying your basketball team, but uh, did the burn of the, the effort <laughs> defensively. They were defensive guys and your rebounders. They, they, they carried the dirty work of that team. They're now out for the season. I think that's something that Trev is going to, to take in account whenever the end of the season rolls around and he's deciding whether or not Fred gets another year. Is that, you know what, he can look at the big picture. He doesn't have to look at what was written down on paper and say, well, you met this, you didn't meet this, you didn't meet this. It, it, They're both be, big boys. They're both growing ups it, It's going to be a subjective decision in Trev's part by the end of the year, and I think he's going to account for the fact that, you know what, you didn't have all your pieces that you thought you were going to have, and that's going to happen during a basketball season. But Nebraska lost two of the most important guys, at least on the defensive end, in, in that dirty work category for this basketball team. The question is, is why didn't you have better – roster construction in the previous three years Mm -hmm. in case this happens. Connor, your take on things. You called it your uh, assessment here of of Hoiberg and and the questions that are there. I mean, what was the the mood like at at PBA last night? Well, you saw a lot of people get up around the six-and-a-half-minute mark of the second half last night. Make a beer beer run outside of PBA? Yes, exactly. But I I think it's fair to say that the pressure's on, and I think it's fair to say that the next 10 games, in my opinion, I think decides his future at him being Fred Hoiberg. I want Fred Hoiberg to be here as much as the next guy. I do. I really like him. He's a respectable guy, as you mentioned. He's really just... He's, he's a good coach. Yeah, he's good. He's a, he is a good coach. He's a good coach. He's, he's stand-up in the community. really feels like a guy who represents the state of Nebraska everywhere but the win-loss column. But this is, this is the problem that I had with last night. When you have Derek Walker taking four shots in total, I know he wanted to get inside, but he I don't think he was nearly as aggressive as he should have been. I know you're missing Bandamel and Gary, and that's your two best defenders. That doesn't help, and it also doesn't help when Ty Berry is a human flamethrower in the yeah, first half as well. Nuts. Literally did not miss. But the fact that you're missing those two guys, Walker wasn't his usual self. Greasel really wasn't that big of an impact player last night either. Tomonaga cooled off really by the law of averages. And honestly, I thought one of the guys who put up some of the most quality minutes on the team last night was Sam Hoiberg. Yeah. Mm. He got in, and obviously he doesn't play that much. He gets in the ends of of blowouts. But last night, I thought he came in and did a a fantastic job of what he was asked to do. I thought he showed better effort than anyone else on the floor. I agree. And he, he was in the right place at the right time multiple times, played good defense. It was just, you know, a matter of a matchup. I mean, he was guarding a, a six foot seven Nick Martinelli, so that didn't go too well for him. But when you have your your usual impact guys offensively not do very much, especially in Walker's case, you're not going to win very many ball games. I think the next ten games really do decide Hoiberg's future. Do they rally and take it down to the wire or do they fade? Do they fade? Yeah, Maryland coming up. I guess Penn State, I guess again. Minnesota, uh, or, or maybe two you can circle. you got to go to Illinois again. Sparty comes to town. I mean, it's it's going to be brutal, and you've seen too many of these nosedives in Nebraska basketball. Doesn't matter who the coach is, other than Danny Nee. I mean, Danny didn't ever nosedive. Everyone else has had multi-game losing streaks where you quit going. Or all of a sudden, hey, you want some tickets for Saturday? I mean, that phone call's coming. Let's get a quick phone call in here. Chris is with us on Hale Varsity. Chris, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead. Hey, great show. Yeah, um, I want to see Fred succeed so bad, but I actually wanted to see Fred succeed with his offense and, and the way he played basketball. Because now we're playing Doc Sadler, you know, at least when Vandermill was there. You know, playing that more of that style, and that's just horrible, horrible to watch. It's just 
least the winds were kind of coming that way, though. Or do you want it to? I know. Are, are you a uh, are you a style guy? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if if your guys can make some shots on occasion, but exactly. you know, I mean, I, I just never understood how Hoiberg can't teach shooting, and he can't. We know that because it's been four years, and and nobody can shoot um, except for. Uh, Case, mm-hmm. and we lose three starters next year. Um, there's not a know, lot in the cu- there, there's some in the cupboard, but not enough. It, and I, I just don't think he's you know in five years for a college basketball coach, he had four straight losing seasons in a row, especially bad losing seasons, mm-hmm. not like fifteen and seventeen. I mean, you just don't survive that. Chris, thanks for and the phone. I hate co- to see it, but I think he's you know this is it for him. We'll see where it goes. Ten games left to, to make a statement. Brandon Vogel's going to be with us. Hail Varsity continues. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. We'll spend time with Will Jeske. He is a standout ball player for Lincoln Southeast. He just committed to Nebraska baseball. So, Will Jeske coming up in 15 minutes. Jimmy Burrow, the proud papa of one Joe Burrow. Elijah and Connor both are going to wear some Cartier shades this weekend in support of. Uh, one Joe Burrow, Gary Barnett next hour as well. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, who can also war- rock some Cartier shades. Are you an Oakley guy? Are you a Ray-Ban? Vogues, do you have prescription shades so you kind of look like that uh, sinister serial killer in the back of a uh, of a brewery? Tell me what, what keeps the sun out of your eyes. <laughs> um, this hat or a hat often. You're not a shades uh, guy? <laughs> Well, I, 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 I am for, a bit, for about six years. I've been saying I need to get prescription sunglasses because obviously I, I wear glasses all the time and I just haven't done it yet. So, but to answer your question, probably Ray-Bans, you know, my, my Oakley days were, were more in high school and probably for the best, I, I left them there. Brother, if I tried to, to wear the Oakleys I wore 30 years ago, There'd be a line around the block to hand out a, don't do that again, reminder. <laughs> okay. I think there'd be ladies lined up around the block. No, brother. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, God, they were ugly. And my folks said, yeah, you make your own choices sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, they're interesting. I've ever told you about the time that I had a pair of sunglasses, a nice pair of Ray-Ban stolen off my face at a music festival. No. Yeah. I've never told what you. What was her story. name? No, it was a dude. A dude stole him off my That's face. That's not acceptable. That just sounds like no, user no, error. no, no. Like worse. Like we're all having a good time. It was at this concert called uh, Idols. They're a British rock band. It was in Chicago, Lollapalooza, and we're like moshing just a little bit. Nothing too serious. Just a light mosh. And 
this dude comes up and kind of like pushes me a little bit and then grabs my sunglasses off my face and the crowd just takes them away from me. My sunglasses were gone forever. Uh, Vogues, I think the guy who ripped his shades made a judgment call. Offensive tackle does not like running. <laughs> it's Lollapalooza and, and away we go. He was a target. Uh-huh. Those are nice glasses too. I miss those things every day. Let's, let's put into focus Fred Hoiberg for a minute. That's where we left off, Vogues. You uh, know hoops uh, as well. You follow Nebraska basketball it's going to get tough these final 10 because of their injury situation let's let's look at the scales of justice here if you're trev alberts this year this adjustment or body of work if i had to suggest right now i would say it's probably adjustments this year would be what i would weigh first mm-hmm. and foremost and it's, it's, it's a tough call. Uh, it, it really is. I thought it was a tough call like 10, 12 days ago, and, and things have gotten worse since then just in terms of additional injuries. Jacob Padilla did a really good job in his column on Wednesday kind of outlining, you know, when they had the four starting five, 10 games, they were six and four. Most of their high wins, good wins early in the year, came when those guys were available. Great about that. Um, Without them, which was only 10 games to that point, um, they were four and six. So, so what, do you, what do you do with that? How do you weigh that? If it were me right now, I would kind of lean towards you, you bring Hoiberg back and, and you give him a shot to continue on what the progress that I think is really there. You got to look between the lines a little bit, but it's there. That said, you look at who you lose from this team and it almost feels like if you do that, it's just another roll of dice because there's not a lot there that gives me confidence beyond the, the, the kind of gains that they've made this year that, Oh, well you yeah, have this guy coming back, this guy coming back. And that's why you're good. I, do, I don't feel that. So it really is like up in the air for me. Brandon Vogel's with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L Vogel. Are you siding with it's a good Big Ten or it's a down Big Ten? Let's look at the context, what they're going through in the league. Yeah, it, 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 it feels a little bit down from where it's been recently. Um, you know, you've got Purdue kind of carrying the flag for the conference. It's also just been a little bit of a strange year in terms of college basketball broadly when you look at some of the usual suspects that – um, haven't quite been what, what they would normally be. That said, you know, you, you break it down beyond that and kind of get into like some of the Ken Palm stuff and the quality wins for Nebraska. Like, I think everything Nebraska, until the injury bug, bug really, really bit them here after the start of the new year, like, I, I, I thought Nebraska was in a good spot. I was impressed by what I had seen to that point. And it, it, it's tough because the injuries that they sustained to the guys who sustained them really, really hurt. And I think anybody can see that no matter how, like, how close, close attention you pay to, to basketball each winter. Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And we were talking in the last segment about how important the last 10 games are and if that could decide Fred Hoiberg's job and – I personally think it is. I mean, the the pressure is certainly on the coaching staff right now. What do you make of the next 10 games? As you just mentioned, a, a more down Big Ten, which I agree with. What do they have to do record-wise maybe in those final 10 for Hoiberg to feel comfortable going into the offseason? 
Yeah, I think I think you've got to you've got to grab the games where you're going to have the best shot. Um, you know, Minnesota, Penn State, maybe games, maybe just those two off the top of my head. Um, and then if you can grab another one kind of out of nowhere, that would show me that, okay, you dealt with really extreme challenges in terms of who got injured and what they meant to the team. Uh, you, re- you regrouped, you, you won the games, you had the best shot to win. And if you grab another one, then, you know, I, I have a tough time finding fault with making the best out of a, a tough situation. If they do that, um, you know, the the concern, I I called it another roll of the dice coming back with, with what Nebraska would have. You need a lot of, well, not a lot. You need some additions through the transfer portal. And it just feels like the longer that kind of remains a theme of the Hoiberg era, the less comfortable I become with it. Like how often can you kind of, you know, hit the random button and, and hope that this combination is the one that works? There just hasn't been that steady trajectory, which is the primary reservation for me. That said, and you can't change that over the last 10 games. What you can, I think, is, is show good effort, um, show a way to to problem solve a little bit. And if they do that, it would give me a little bit more confidence towards towards the retention side of this discussion. Brandon Vogel's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, do you think whenever we look at the future of Hoiberg that we have to look at the past six months for Husker Athletics as a whole? It's been a long six months for Trev Alberts. Whenever you look at the coaching search and I'm sure how exhausting that is and Trev's made a point saying, you know what, he's not afraid to be a grinder. He's not afraid to, to do the dirty work that's going to allow the, the, these teams to find the best success possible. But at the same time, Trev Alberts is human. And coming off of just a, an exhausting six months looking for your next head football coach, do you think that's a factor here with him deciding whether or not he wants to keep Hoiberg or, or to, you know, get into a, uh, another coaching search this time with the basketball team? Yeah, I think it, I think it could be uh, a, a definite factor there. And I mean, I think in in Fred's favor, based on some of those comments we've heard from from Alberts, it does help that you know, in my view at least, it was more apparent on the basketball side of like, hey, the original plan we came here with may not be the plan, and this year's a good example of it. You know, kind of switching to a more defensive focus. Uh, so we're going to change that plan because we know we need to get results. Like the effort um, from Hoiberg and the staff on that front has always been apparent to me. Um, sort of like, you know, where we started this basketball conversation, though. The other side of it also with with Nebraska it, entering a college basketball search to me is, is a lot different than it is in football because football has had that long period of sustained success. Basketball hasn't had that. It's had its it's had its up periods. Um, no, nowhere near as long as any Husker fan would want. So if I, if I were the AD, I would feel a little bit more freedom going into the college basketball market to really identify somebody who is maybe an up-and-comer. You, you just don't have – I should be careful saying this, but you don't have quite the same pressure, I don't think, to go out there and, and, and get a, a head coach hire who has a ton of curb appeal. Like if you want to take somebody who, who you believe is the AD, like – I've watched this guy. He's the guy. I, I think you have a little bit more freedom to do that. And that, that might make it a little bit more enticing to, to enter that, that coaching market on the basketball side. Brandon Vogel's with us. HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Subscribe. HaleVarsity.com backslash offer is uh, where you go to get the digital and the magazine. Great new issue out. Uh, more on Rule and his staff. Vogue's will end with this. And we, we've spent a lot of time on, on basketball and 
Fred making the adjustment, the adaptation here in, in year four, and it's given him a, a fighting chance. This study has been very real by Rule and his staff for diving into the Big Ten. And on its outset, what, what do you think they have under their arm? What's their saddlebag, so to speak, that they're taking with them into spring? Yes, they're going to develop, but they're also training for next season. Yeah, I think, you know, making the the transition on offense um, to whatever that looks like. And I mean, I know, you know, Satterfield came out and said that they're going to run the ball. Rule has said the same. He says he wants to win the line of scrimmage. All important things. Um, so I think that part you got to plan for a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of a transition for, for Nebraska. Flipping the scheme defensively, that almost feels like more of a mindset change for, for me. Um, with, with how Nebraska is going to choose to play on that side. But most of the injury going into spring football uh, is, is going to be on the offensive side, I think. Um, can they do that? Like everybody knows the importance of running the football, winning the line of scrimmage. It's a concern that you have to have in a program like Nebraska. When Matt Rule, Matt Rule went to Baylor, you don't have to worry about weather there in the same way that you do. It's kind of interesting. You think about the SEC. Nobody's out there saying, well, we got to be able to run the ball because we're going to need to in November. So just him kind of going that way. And, and Marcus Satterfield, through, you know, I wrote about this in the issue that's out now, the January issue, hasn't been that run heavy during his OC stops. So it feels to me like a little bit of a switch. Um, so that's going to be super intriguing. I think that's, that's kind of one of the key areas you got to have a plan for as the staff takes over. Well, we have some folks chiming in on the stream. Uh <laughs> With the, uh, you know, if Nebraska goes a different direction in basketball, no up-and-comer, please. Pony up. Well, Nebraska went and just got a name. <laughs> they just did. Yeah, the mayor, for God's sake. You know? And uh, I, I like the fact that he's been willing to change, and I, I hope it works out. Again, we've got our, our, our you know, uh, Go Big Fred t-shirts on here underneath our zip-ups and sweatshirts <laughs> and all that good stuff. And I'm sure there's one off to the sidewall, south wall in the Vogue's office. That's just way too good of a uh, catchphrase for it to not have worked out, you know? Well, uh, we'll see where it goes. Vogue's, we will talk Saturday morning. Uh, keep the eye black on, my friend. Thanks again for the time. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us. Will Jasky, part of the Husker baseball program, up next on Hale Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio back with you it's hail varsity presented by currency chris schmidt and elijah herbal Part of the Nebraska baseball team for 2023. Uh, standout from Lincoln Southeast, Will Jeske is with us as he committed, uh, well, earlier this week to play baseball. Will, congratulations. Thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, thanks for your time. Hey, we're, we're doing great. Uh, tell me about this 
this stress level, this recruitment process, and then being able to stay in Lincoln? Well, um, I, I really wasn't too stressed. I, uh, I, I put a lot of faith in, in my Lord. Um, he, uh, uh, he was really my comfort. So I uh, started off at Wichita State. Um, I ended up decommitting uh, just with coaching changes. Um, mm-hmm. They have a great program down there going for them, but I, uh, I just didn't really like the coaching change. So mm-hmm. I planned on decommitting, and my next step was – to try to go to UNL, um, it was something that uh, it's always been in my dreams just to wear the end across my chest. And uh, I was able to go to a camp uh, Sunday. I don't remember the date for sure, mm-hmm. uh, four days ago. And uh, I had a really good camp. I hit very good. My, my fielding could have been a little bit better. But we had a talk after the camp, and uh, two days later, they offered me a spot on the team. So – very very excited about that well at what point in time did you you know realize division one baseball could be in the cards for you at one point did, did that dream kind of uh come to fruition and, and you said you know what i think i could be a pretty good ball player someday it was last year my junior year i had a really standout season that um i made all all state four super state and that kind of really changed my recruiting process i started talking with a lot of midwest schools and I really liked Wichita State time. They had amazing coaches, uh, great facilities, and it was, it was in the Midwest. It was close to home. So I, uh, that's where I commit to start my journey. Will Jeske is with us, part of Nebraska's baseball recruiting class 2023. Uh, another night headed to Nebraska along with uh, Max Butenbach. And let's spend a minute here on, on the camp who your main contact was and, and what were the conversations like with coach Bolt, coach, coach Christie, if, if you can take us there, what was, what was that like for you and, and how, um, how'd you celebrate? <laughs> um, my main contact was, uh, with coach Harvell. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked with all the coaches kind of at camp. They, uh, they were amazing coaches. They're, they're people who I really will enjoy being around these next couple of years. Um, but Harvell was the main guy I talked to. I, uh, my main talks were at camp. I really didn't talk to them as much before. So my main stuff was at either at camp or two days later. So those were my main talks. Will Jeske is with us. He is uh, playing ball for Nebraska. Will, let's talk about your training and your process with uh, just – Day-to-day, getting better. You crush the baseball. I know you put a lot of work in to, to, to raise your level. How, how has that process been? Is it something that has been a grind, a job, or do you just love putting the work in? I just really love putting the work in. Um, it, it all starts at the Yard, Nebraska. That's my, that's my main um, source of where I, where I get my baseball skills from. I spend close to two hours a day there. Um, that's with Todd Mosser, and then I have numerous friends that go there, either younger or older, and they help me feed balls. And uh, that's just been a significant impact for me, just uh, looking up to the older kids and then providing rides for younger kids. It's, it's just helped me out significantly. 
Well, you mentioned the fact that you, you did take a leap with your junior year last year. It got you all state honors. And, and take me through what the, the training for last year was like uh, before your junior year. Well, what kind of led to that, to that jump in your game in your junior season? Well, I would say about 80% of pitches are either outside or off-speed pitches. My main goal last year was to really work on that pitch. That is something I struggled with sophomore year. And the Southeast coaching staff just to, like devised a plan for me working on the outside pitch. And our hitting coach, Coach Christensen, was very crucial in helping me with that outside pitch. So that was something I really worked on that helped me bat at that level. Um, as far as defense, I, uh, I really worked on that. I think I will play uh, third third base in outfield this year, and then at Nebraska, I think I'll be kind of a utility play. Well, with uh, with baseball season right around the corner, what have you been working on this offseason to improve your game? Uh, my main thing is kind of the off-speed off breaking ball pitching, um, as well as that outside pitch. I mean, that's just something I see on a day-to-day in the spring baseball season. So that's my main goal to work towards. Um, either outside pitches or uh, high fastballs, they'll try to blow by me. So, power numbers. You had incredible slugging percentage. Your RBI number was fantastic. You went yard several times. Who do you model your game after? Is there a major leaguer you really like? Uh, I was a big Gordon fan. He was a lefty. Mm, I, I bet. <laughs> I would say my uh, swings kind of around the Trout area. Um, I really like that short but kind of long stride. I uh, I really watch videos of him a lot. That really helped my uh, swing. I lo- I like taking videos of my swing a lot. So, just kind of critiquing my swing all the time. Well, I got to ask you. You're talking to a Williamsburg guy. Uh, I, I'm going to claim it anyway. Not as long as my brother got to, but <laughs> Williamsburg wiffle ball. Uh, lay it out for me. Where did you guys play? Oh man, uh, we in everybody's backyard we were we were kind of the, the devil kids back in the day it was uh me uh nate mccashlin the dual brothers cam and cal who am i missing now ben hunziger yep. Revan hoffman uh the reed family grant and nolan reed and then my brothers uh jared jared jesky and jacob jesky and we were kind of the the gang i guess it was it was a wild group we uh We'd always play football together, and that's where I found my first love for the game. It was just passed down from my family, and then we uh, we really just played almost every day. So did you just trash Hunziker's backyard? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I'm sure there's still, there's still stuff in the backyard that <laughs> remains there. Man, wiffle ball is the best. Were you? Uh, how how wicked was your uh, your breaking pitch? Oh, it was it was not wicked at all. I mean, no? I put a on it i had to put a little spit on it so well i'm a little surprised here that you're you're saying you're working on your your off speed hitting and you've been playing wiffle ball your whole life like what's up with that there's not even a fastball in wiffle ball yeah yeah we uh ball a little bit and i i couldn't handle that stuff so wiffle ball was our our main go-to well we'll end with this you mentioned you always wanted to play with that red end on your chest what's what, what hooked you with nebraska baseball as a kid um, just, just growing up with it. It's, uh, not only baseball, it's football as well. Just going to the games. I mean, I remember just barely crawling around Haymarket park 
Uh, even watching the salt, just being close to home and wearing that N is just surreal that I can I can be able to do that here soon. So I, I need to keep putting in hard work and hopefully it'll pay off here in the future. And hopefully we can uh, just turn the program around and yeah. Will Jeske with us, uh, Lincoln Southeast, off to Nebraska, part of the 2023 class. Will, best of luck. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark in. Big thanks to Will Jeske, uh, part of Nebraska baseball. Uh, gave his commitment uh, just uh, last weekend. So another Southeast night headed to uh, to Haymarket Park. That's awesome. Uh, Brandon Vogel with us this hour. We'll talk Bengals from a borough with a borough. How's that sound? Uh, Jimmy Burrow going to be with us. Proud Papa Joe Burrow. Kicks off next hour, the adventure that has been uh, what started out as a, a bit of a Super Bowl hangover season. Anything but is Cincinnati's the hottest there is in the NFL. So Jimmy Burrow with us here at 5.05. Gary Barnett will chime in. There's been a lot of smoke, no pun intended, from Boulder uh, with uh, Nebraska guys in Colorado, how that continues to amp up and it's climbing the charts, so to speak, with most anticipated game, one of the most anticipated games for the non-conference season. We'll get in there with Coach Barnett as things lead up, and we'll dive into, all right, just how how annoying was it for Nebraska to recruit the hell out of Colorado like they did all those years, for as many years as they did, and vice versa. Colorado, decades later, now returning the favor as they've I don't know, uh, set up shop trying to get into Omaha. Yeah, hit the Omaha Metro pretty hard yesterday. Yeah. and uh, Pretty hard might be an understatement. What's what's off limits, <laughs> right? There was like a, a gentleman's agreement back in the day with Nebraska and Oklahoma. We won't head up north. You don't come down south. Well, once Barry was gone, hey, Will Shields, how you doing? Uh, hey, Mike Minter, how you doing? Right, just a couple of Oklahoma, Philip Dillard too, but those are three uh, names that – come to my mind from Oklahoma. But, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into recruiting each other's state and how that's uh, grown. Nebraska's always going to recruit Colorado, but uh, Colorado really recruiting Nebraska right now. So that's on the way with Gary Barnett. Then Vizan's very own Danny Burke next hour. What's he think of the lines? Guys, let's just talk about mom or dad's money or even mama's money in my case. What do we do here this weekend? If we got a guy that tends bar down the road and you want to put a bet down or you just jump on an app, um, and soon enough it'll be happening here uh, here in Lincoln and in the state of Nebraska, those lines scare me specifically with Kansas City and Cincinnati. That's why I think you stick with player props this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, like, I'm just going to see what Jamar Chase does or Joe Burrow does or, or Mixon. That's, uh, that's the route. Uh, last thought here from Fred Hoiberg. Uh, let's get his take here. Cut four, Connor, uh, with Fred, and just the the reality of the situation here, and, and that defense really doesn't seem portable anymore. How portable is it? 
We're going we're to have to change things up and went to a little three-quarter court press. And, you know, they, listen, they had some shots, but they were different shots than what they were getting in their man. And that led to some missed shots and gave us an opportunity to get, get out uh, out of the zone where they're not quite as matched up. Unfortunately, we had a few possessions where we could have cut it maybe to single digits. We didn't block out, and we let Adige get to the basket on a cut. Uh, you know, we just started putting that in yesterday, and we obviously need to fine-tune it and work on it. But to have a change up with our group right now the way we are with key injuries especially to some really defensive minded guys uh, we're going to have to change things up and try to buy some possessions well they didn't box out and uh, they clearly didn't uh, take care of the basketball hour two on hey it's schmitty want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive stable history of work over 20 years fsc the fsc edge it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment it's a new environment with over two million dollars in improvements you have access to generous benefits packages company support for health and wellness and you do impactful work on a national scale make a difference their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission check out what's available today at fscedge.com Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency and Bud Eyes on Cincinnati and Kansas City Round 2 AFC title game. We welcome in longtime coach, uh, former Husker, and uh, a lot of great years uh, with uh, Ohio and, of course, North Dakota State, uh, Jimmy Burrow with us. Coach, thanks for the time. How are we doing? We're doing good. Looking forward to the weekend. I bet you are. And uh, before we jumped on air, weather's been on a lot of the country's mind. Everybody got to Buffalo uh, okay from the borough crew, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, we had them coming in from, from a lot of different places. Uh, Nebraska was a big concern, but since you didn't get the big snowstorm there, people were, uh, family was able to, to get, they were able to get out of there and get to Buffalo. And, and uh, we had some, some weather issues there, uh, but not not for, for us watching the game, but but a certain people out of Cincinnati still couldn't get there. We'd have had more fans, but they had some weather issues here. But uh, we had our family and friends and fans there for sure. Well, what an impressive win by Cincinnati. Coach, uh, what did they get your take here on, on how the season started in Cincinnati? And if you could circle a, a turning point, a tipping point in, in the year that, that, mm-hmm. got, that got Cincy going. First of all, it started the day before camp when Joe had uh, an emergency appendectomy. So that, that set 
unpack the whole process. He missed about two weeks of camp. Uh, we had the, the, the new offensive line uh, that had been put together in the offseason. So there were some, uh, some hurdles we had to overcome early in the season to kind of get that uh, continuity going with, with the offense. And uh, so, uh, you know, that uh, was, was a hard thing to overcome. I, I think just being able to work together those first few games and and uh, come back and, and and win one here and there. Even the first game, when it was probably one of Joe's worst games uh, that he's had in the NFL, uh, he threw a touchdown with no time on the clock, and we have to we were just going to kick an extra point and win the game, and we we had it blocked. So uh, things just didn't go our way. And, and uh, but but uh, there was always. Uh, still confidence and, and, and hope that, uh, you know, we could, we could put it together, and we did. What's your impression as a longtime football coach seeing the team really rally? And I always get a kick out of – covered Zach when he was here at Nebraska, but I get a kick out of Zach going to the different uh, night spots delivering game balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been fun. Uh, Zach does a great job uh, – uh, on and off the field, and uh, so we we appreciate what he does. Uh, I, Robin, and I were able to do that. Uh, they asked us if we wanted to present a game ball here in town last week in Athens. So it was the first game ball presented outside of Cincinnati. So that was a lot of lot of fun. Uh, but you know, those guys were prepared last week. I mean, the defense is is really playing great. The offensive line uh, was unbelievable. We were able to run the ball. And uh, that gave Joe and, and his uh, receivers in the passing game a lot of opportunities to, to not just have to throw, uh, you know, every down. So it was a great team win. Jimmy Burrow with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, AFC title game. Joe Burrow, of course, uh, leading Cincinnati uh, back down to Arrowhead. Let me ask you, Coach, wh- where did you go in Athens? Where did you bring the game ball to? Uh, courtside, it's a local uh, uh, pizza place and and uh, a hangout. Uh, that's that's the kind of the main uh, little drag there uh, uh, uptown. Uh, we so we had a good mix of of older people, and then that's one of the hot spots, night spots on a Thursday night. So we kind of ha- had the the old group in there, and then here come the students were were coming in for their Thursday night. Uh, get-togethers, and so it was uh, just a packed house, and we had a, they had done a nice video uh, in conjunction with the uh, with the Bengals, and, and we had a game ball and, and presented it to, to Athens. We certainly appreciate all the support that the people in this area uh, have always uh, given to Joe and, and our family, and so it was good to, uh, to get that game ball to, to the courtside there in town. Now is is Joe going to get a chance to go sign that game ball and go and go see everyone? Well, what kind of event is it like in uh, in Athens whenever Joe comes back hometown? Well, you know he comes back. He usually just kind of stays off of Court Street, which is a good thing. But uh, <laughs> we, we might get him to sign sign that ball uh, uh, one of these days. I'm I'm sure he did. He did a little video in the locker room, which I can't believe uh, the Bengals must have asked him right after that win because that's that's. I, I, I probably would never ask him to do something like that right after the game, but he did a short video thanking Athens and presenting them the game ball. And uh, once again, everybody thought it was a, was a, a really a, a cool thing to do, and we had a lot of fun. 
Speaking of the uh, the post game locker room, do you have a uh, a victory cigar picked out for Sunday afternoon? You're just gonna let let that one go until uh, until the game finishes. Yeah, that's kind of uh, uh, after the game. We we have a, a location where uh, Jamar's dad, Jimmy Chase, and I uh, uh, lit one up last year in in the in the parking lot after the game. So we we know where that place is, and and uh, Jimmy. Uh, Smoke cigars way more than me, so he'll 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 have me one ready to go. <laughs> Jimmy Burrow is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. You mentioned uh, a lot about Cincinnati's you know game plan and, and their balance and being a defensive coach. Put your 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 DC hat on and the in your estimation here, what what are the problems Cincinnati poses? Not just maybe for Kansas City, but just for teams around the league. Uh, Zach seems to have and Coach Callahan, man, their offense is so balanced, and it seems like take one thing away, they could be able to beat you with yeah. something else. Well, really, it all starts with the running game. I I think if we can run the ball like we did last week, I mean, it's just creates all kind of issues for for a defense uh if we can't run the ball then we 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 pretty much throw a lot throw almost every down and we can still move the ball that way too but the running game opens everything up and then you get the uh four great receivers the tight end hayden hurst and t higgins and and tyler boyd and jamar chase or you know uh i I think they're the, the three best in in the as a unit uh, in in the league uh, joe can <clears throat> can beat you throwing the ball he can scramble and and uh, throw off off platform uh, uh when he does that so just creates a lot of issues and then uh uh joe mixon uh is is a beast uh, uh back there at, at the, the running back position and and uh so it presents a lot of problems uh you know joe People try to blitz, and and we we get the ball out hot to, to the receivers and let them run with it. If they if they they drop people back, you know Joe's really good at finding holes in the zone, and the receivers are all really smart. That's kind of goes unnoticed, and people don't give them as much credit for that. They say they're great athletes, which they are, but they're really smart. They understand coverages, they understand concepts in the passing game, and you put all that together, and you got a, a real explosive. Uh, uh, offense and then Zach and and the coach Callahan put a great plan together every week. From an accuracy standpoint, I mean Joe's really special. Is that something he's always had, or is that something you see yeah. him continuing to work on and perfect? No, that's kind of always been his calling card. Uh, you know, early in in his career, when when as he's developing physically, uh, his arm certainly wasn't what it is today. So. I think he understood back then that accuracy uh, was something that that he had to have, and and then uh, as he developed uh, that, and and he became uh, stronger, uh, and, and his arm became stronger, and he his whole body became physically stronger. Then uh, he still was able to maintain that accuracy, and he he continues to do that, and and the, the one uh, good thing that that you see out there too is when he scrambles. You know that's hard to maintain that accuracy, but he seems to be able to to uh, to be a very accurate passer again on his scrambles also. So once again, it just makes it hard for a defense to defend. Yeah, no matter what happens, he always looks like he's got a level head. Whether he's scrambling, whether it's third and eight, third and one, it doesn't matter. He always has a level head. And now you look at this game on Sunday, going to a formidable home field advantage in Arrowhead. But 
We had Bengals corner Mike Hilton on the sideline on uh, Sunday. It's a great video released by NFL Films uh, saying at the end of the game, we'll see you in Burrowhead, referring to Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium because uh, Joe Burrow still undefeated at Arrowhead. What's your take on that, Joe, going in, in battling not only the Chiefs but also the Chiefs' home field advantage? Yeah. You know, the, the crowd doesn't really seem to to affect uh, Joe and our guys. Uh, it, it can't. I mean, Arrowhead is unbelievably loud. Uh Buffalo Stadium the other day uh, was unbelievably loud, and and Joe started the game off nine for nine and uh, two touchdowns. So, uh, uh, you know, he always says that that his confidence and and his ability and our team's ability or his team's ability to is to be in those situations is is uh, uh, you know shows up because they're prepared. Zach does a great job preparing that. Uh, the players individually, and and Joe is a quarterback, and and then the team. And he says, if you if you know what you're looking for on game day, and and you, you know what what's supposed to to transpire in in your game plan and and in your plays, then you can you can look calm and and confident, and and still understand if things aren't going good that your coaches and uh, are going to make adjustments and make changes, and you're still going to to be able to come back. I think. He also understands leadership and and uh, what that means as a quarterback. And you you can't you can't lose your cool out there. You can't show uh, a, a, whether it's frustration or or, or too much joy and, and celebration. Uh, so that's I think where he gets his uh, his demeanor and how he's he's able to react and and act out there on the football field. Coach Jimmy Burrow with us here. A couple more minutes at Tail Varsity Radio. Joe and. Cincinnati off to Arrowhead for the AFC title game and another trip to the Super Bowl, perhaps. Uh, Coach, have you been uh, part of the advisory committee with the uh, the sunglasses con- collection? <laughs> no, people that know me from back in Nebraska or wherever I've been know that any fashion statement that Joe has definitely doesn't uh, doesn't come from from me. But he <laughs> he likes to uh, he, he likes to look good and. And show confidence uh, uh, when they're traveling and, and game day. My my wife and Joe's mom, Robin, was a fashion merchandising major at uh, uh, once she left uh, Cook, Nebraska, to go to go to college, and now she's a principal. But earlier earlier she was involved in things like that. So maybe that that's where he gets it. But uh, he doesn't ask me for for the. Uh, what, what he should wear on game day because some of those things I would probably uh, veto. <laughs> gotta have one of these games. He's just gotta gotta raid your closet and we'll see what the outfit looks like. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I'm I'm still a, a sweatshirt and blue jeans guy and, and really Joe for the most part is, is like that too. If you saw him, you know around around the house or I'm sure the uh, the locker room and those type things, it's it's pretty casual, but. Uh, uh, over the years, he's he's developed his own sense of of, of what he likes to wear, and and uh, and uh, he he's not he's not uh, afraid to kind of go out there with some of those outfits. Coach, I wanted to get your thoughts uh, if you've had any crossover or connection at all with Matt Rule in the coaching circles, or just a reaction to his uh, his time now in Lincoln as a Nebraska uh, now in the Rule era. I don't know, Matt. Uh, you know, I, I as, as everybody, when I, I knew he was going to be the coach at Nebraska, started reading more more things about him and, and his his uh, resume and what he did at at, uh, uh, 
in college, you know, is 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 outstanding, and and there's a proven track record there. So uh, you just hope that you know he embraces the the Nebraska tradition and and uh, uh, understands it, which I'm sure Trev uh, think you know thinks he does, and and so uh, uh, that all points to to hopefully Nebraska getting back to the way it once was uh, uh, once upon a time. So we're, we're still Nebraska fans, and uh, I, I hope I hope that they can uh, get it going there. Had a chance not long ago during uh, some of the bowl games, chance to be on Coach Walden's radio show and keep in contact with Jim Walden. And I know you coached with him and, and played for him, but I, I found out you, you were his neighbor growing up. How was Coach Walden as a neighbor? Did you have to cut his yard? or I mean, tell me about that no, experience. Uh, uh, we moved next door to him in the fifth grade. Uh, I actually uh, uh, became his starting corner as a 10th grader, and then, then he went to Nebraska. You know, that's, that's a whole story in itself. That's how I ended up at Nebraska. I was just on his uh, show, uh, uh, I think, a couple of Saturdays ago. Uh, Joe, because I was there with him at, at at Iowa State, and eventually became the head coach at Ames. That's where Joe was born, and so my whole family history is is traced back to to Coach Walden at some point, whether it was next door, mm. like going to Nebraska, hiring me at Washington State, uh, asking me to go with him to to Iowa State. So uh, he's an important part in 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 the. For, for me, not only uh, growing up, but just my whole history uh, of, uh, of football and being a coach, and even uh, uh, Jamie and Dan that ended up playing in Nebraska. They they grew up in in Ames, Iowa, and played for for uh, the, the little Cyclones because of, and that's all because of Coach Walden. He's an unbelievable person, and and uh, uh, he's done so much for me uh, in my lifetime that that I'm always. Uh, uh, indebted to him for, for a lot of the things that I've done in football, for sure. Coach Jimmy Burrow with us, Joe and the Bengals in Kansas City. Coach, enjoy your trip to KC. We'll be rooting for you. Thanks for giving <laughs> us a few minutes today. All right. Thank you. Go Bengals. Go Huskers. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Big thanks to uh, Jimmy Burrow as uh, he is off to Kansas City. We welcome in the Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett with this coach. Are you uh, you bundled up? Do you have the electric blanket going? I had I had actually three blankets on me last night. Uh, Mary likes to sleep in a tundra, so uh, <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night sweating. So, but yeah, it's chilly down here, and uh, but uh, you know by our standards, and uh, somehow I still find a way to get out and play. But it's uh, 
it's it's not like it has been. So it's uh, hopefully this is a uh, just a one-off year, but uh, I hope this isn't a trend down here. Well, uh, Junior's heading down uh, end of February, so I think he will uh, he will break the ice for uh, for all of you Arizonans with uh, the way the weather's been. Coach, it's been a lot of fun kind of watching things build up. And, you know, Will Compton does his podcast, and, and Matt Rule was on that earlier this week. And Topic of Colorado came up, and you have uh, Colorado, Coach Prime, and even his offensive coordinator was in Omaha this week. And, and Nebraska sees a lot of other programs find their way into the metro. Uh, and, and even some, some outlying smaller communities. Notre Dame's been in Ainsworth for a, for a tight end. But the, the Buffs are, are making their, uh, their presence felt in Omaha. Uh, Malachi Coleman, of course, ended up at Nebraska, but he was a, a Buff target. Uh, P.J. Fleck. I want to ask you, did, did you spend much time recruiting Nebraska and flip it around? Did it bother you how much Nebraska recruited Colorado? Well, you know, these, yes, I'll explain that, but these two programs are in different positions than they were when, when I was recruiting. Sure. I mean, completely different diff- situations. And it, you know, it's interesting because I spent too much time in Lincoln because I, I went in there almost every year as an assistant and then even as a head coach. And um, everybody that I was sure I was going to get ended up at Nebraska. And I started thinking, you know, if uh, this is not a good use of my money and uh, or time, I mean, fi- we finally got Jake Barons out of there, who was a Gatorade Player of the Year and a fullback, and, and I don't think you guys were using him anymore. But um, and then and then when Dan came, Hawkins came in, he didn't use him either, but uh, he, he was ideal for what I was doing at the time. But every guy, Mike Petco, I can go down the list, all these guys that I was sure that were going to come to Colorado uh, didn't come. So um, I, I pulled the dogs off. I said, uh, you know, I'm, uh, my mom drowned all the dumb ones, so I am not going to continue to go in there. The um, And then you're right. I mean, we hated to see them come in, see the Cornhuskers come in and take our guys and um, and then, you know, once in the nineties, once we, once we started rolling in 89, 90, and then even when I was back there a little bit in the early two thousands, we didn't lose very many guys to Nebraska, but, um, all along we have. And, uh, but ne- Nebraska has had to go out, out and get other guys, but we tried, just couldn't get them, but it's starting to build in Boulder. I can tell you that that September 9th game is going to be fun, Chris. And you can't buy a ticket. I mean, it's uh, people are gearing up right now. They've got it circled. Well, I just got an email from a, a dear friend who also has a a, a shop in, in Estes, Big Red of the Rockies. Uh, I mean, he's already putting stuff together for the mother of all tailgates in Estes and we were there out uh, what a couple of years ago a couple three years ago now uh, when, when Nebraska played out there and it was I mean it was all red coach and and I know that that is not going to be tolerated or attempted to be tolerated and I know coach Primes does he have an idea about Nebraska Colorado or 
is he learning about Nebraska, Colorado? You and I get it. You obviously lived it. I grew up watching it. And it, but it's it's just a new era now. But it, man, it's getting rekindled. It feels like. Yeah, it is. I don't know if he does or not. I, I really, I doubt if he does. You can't. You you have to live that to really understand it. But uh, by the way, you know, uh, there's a new state law that's uh, triple taxing any stores that have the name Red in it. So your buddy may just go out of business up there. They're going to tax him out of business. But uh, you, you know, we're, the two programs. It's amazing how in different places they are now than where they were. I mean, here, I mean, we were dead, almost dead last and everything this year going in and you guys struggled and have for the last couple of years. And, and here we're getting all this attention between the two States at least. And we'll get some nationally just because of the two coaches. But now all of a sudden we've got a big rivalry game and everybody's all fired up about two bad teams. So, you know, that's interesting the way that's rolling. Well, it made Stuart Mandel's mailbag for the love of God. I mean, it's. I mean, the, you, you listen. Your your opener with TCU is going to be a big wow factor uh, with TCU where they were at, and of course, Coach Prime's first ball game. But then a week later, I mean, you're talking one and eleven and three and nine or four and eight. But I mean, it's it's it it, it hits home with a lot of college football fans. And at least there's been some recency, right, with home and home uh, where Nebraska-Colorado played. I know that it probably can happen, but, Coach, it'd be fun to see you guys every year again. Uh, There's no question. I'll tell you, people in Colorado would love it. They would absolutely love it. And uh, it's a moneymaker for both. I mean, I'll guarantee you, that'll be the only – well, that may not be true, but that one will sell out. And, uh, you know, it'll be the first sellout in a long time, probably since the last time we played you guys. So, um, in Boulder, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, everything's is pointing in the right direction. And, uh, you know, the, the difference is neither Matt rule nor prime are going to play in this game. It's going to be your players and our players. And we'll just have to see what happens. Gary Barnett with us, Hale varsity radio. We're already hyping up here. Uh, week two of the college football season, the Big Red Army invading Boulder, or at least that's the the, the hope. Uh, and uh, I know Buff fans are like, nope, can't do it, won't do it. No, uh, no Nebraska fans allowed. And the uh, the legend that there is a triple tax on anything with red in the uh, in the title. <laughs> I like it. I got to You lay this out for me. Was this urban legend or was it absolutely banned, barred? That was red really banned and barred by Mac. Yeah, it's truth. Seriously. And uh, in fact, I had a one of our guys had a red dealer car, and he made him take it back. And uh, so, and we'd go on a trip, a wives trip. And the wives, they just knew they couldn't wear anything red on that trip, no matter you know. So uh, anywhere that we would go and. My wife was angry for years about that, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it was it was the way Mac would do it, and I didn't do that. But um, it it was sort of fun to to buy into it every once in a while because it was always made for an icebreaker in conversations. But no, Mac Mac actually did it, and uh, um, that we <laughs> we nothing was red in our building mm. all year. I mean, so. We've had a recruit come in in red, and we'd make him change shirts 
But if I had a recruiter and he had a red shirt on, I said, you can't wear that. You got to go change shirts before you go see Coach McCartney. Man. So, yep, yep. So, who was the assistant who had the red sports car? Well, it was Ron Vanderlyn, I think, had a red car. He made him take it back. Man. You couldn't even rent a red car on the road and pick Mac up it. You know, you, you would just tell the car dealer or the rental car, I can't have a red car. Did you ever I'm picking up Coach McCartney? <laughs> did you ever have a, a GA you wanted to set up and say, "Hey, go make sure you get you, you rent a red car and and go get go get go pick Mac up in the airport." Do you ever try that? Trick? Yeah, well, they, no, we, we didn't do. It. Everybody just everybody knew you just can't do that sort of stuff. So <laughs> Gary Barnett with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Coach gonna ask you about some NFL this weekend, and I'm excited. I think I think uh Burrow and Cincy are playing great ball. Mahomes seems to be somewhat healed in Kansas City, and it's just man, you're down to the AFC title game, and then Hertz and Philly look impressive, and Shanahan and Denver are I should say Shanahan and San Francisco are, are making do. They are great. Are you uh, leading one way or the other? Well, the way I look at this thing, first of all, Philadelphia has got the best defense out there. Yes. And, and uh, Jalen Hurts is, is just so solid. Uh, Joe Burrow is on fire. I couldn't believe they did it with three linemen down last week against Buffalo. And then with – Mahomes with a high ankle sprain. I don't care what he says. You you can't play the level he wants to play with that ankle. And then you know San Francisco, just you know Purdy's doing a good job, but but um, they're just you know they're a little shy of what they need to be. I think so. But good games. I, I'd be surprised if Philadelphia didn't didn't beat San Francisco. I'd be surprised probably if Cincinnati didn't beat Kansas City. And then when you get down to Kansas, to uh, Philadelphia and um, Cincinnati, you know, it's it's probably hard to go against the defense that Philadelphia plays. So we'll see. It's uh, It's been a good – there hasn't been a clear-cut choice this year, and it's sort of been exciting to watch everybody sort of slug it out. We have been trying to talk mom into renting her house out for Super Bowl week. Have you thought about it? <laughs> No, but I got a guy down the street that's getting twenty two thousand dollars. Yeah, um, you know, for that. I mean, I don't know if he's getting it for the week or if he's getting it for the day, but he's getting twenty two grand for it. So, yeah, and they're they're telling you how to do it and uh, on television and who to go through and what you how you should price it. So, yeah, there there's people making money. Did you expect Hertz and Burrow and, and even Mahomes to be as great as they are? In the NFL, Burrow, yes. Hurts, I wasn't sure. Uh, Mahomes, I didn't have a clear uh, vision of how good he was. Mm-hmm. Um, Hurts, I knew, I, you know, I didn't know if he'd be a starter and a big time starter or not. But Burrow, I thought would he just had he had hit, mm-hmm. you know, that last year in school, and you know, I I thought for sure he'd be a difference maker so gary barnett with us coach enjoy your weekend warm up and we'll chat soon thanks for the time today all right chris talk to you later good stuff from coach barnett that rivalry is brewing for nebraska colorado it's existed but 
could get rekindled. Hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver, one job, that's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Best bets on the way with Danny Burke. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Burke's Best Bets time. Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Danny Burke with this VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Catch him during the weekends on VEASAN and, of course, the Danny Burke podcast. Pride of Chicago, it is that time. It is AFC-NFC title game. Let's gear up for the Super Bowl. But first... It's pretty intriguing, Danny, with some landing spots for several names in the NFL. How are you? I'm doing good, Schmitty, and yeah, you're right. I mean, even though we still have this season going on, doesn't mean you can't already speculate for next year. I mean, people have started that even in the midst of this past season during the regular season, I mean, not just the playoffs, but uh, yeah, it keeps us entertained, especially from the betting perspective in these uh, slower summer months when the NFL is not going on. But luckily, we have that and the games to look forward to. Danny Burke is with us here. It's Burke's Best Bets. And Danny, let's start it off with the early game on Sunday. The 49ers head into Philly, taking on the Eagles in the city of brotherly love. And the 49ers are a two and a half point underdog. What do you like here? So I am uniquely invested in this game. A couple weeks before Jimmy Garoppolo got injured, I took a bet on the 49ers at plus 550 to win the Super Bowl for a fairly sizable amount. So I'm in a position right now where I'm looking to hedge. And not just because I kind of give a slight edge to the Eagles, but just because also from the financial perspective of it. And look, the 49ers have been such a great story. Brock Purdy, what he's done is nothing short of incredible, and there's no like shame in him not winning this game because the fact they've gotten this far is very, very impressive. But that's what happens when you have a great overall defense, overall offense, and a mastermind in Kyle Shanahan. Now, look, there's some important things that I think stand out, too, in this game. It's Brock Purdy, of course, playing in a true road game in the playoffs. It's going to be very, very difficult, very loud. Shanahan already spoke to that, that they're going to have to be doing some snap signaling and trying to get things going quickly and efficiently. Um, Also, a stat that I found that was pretty interesting, if you look at football outsiders, they talk about third and fourth down efficiency. Philadelphia is second offensively and third slash fourth down passing. San Francisco is 23rd defensively. Now, conversely, Philly is second defensively in that regard, while San Francisco is seventh. Those are the most important plays in these type of games, and Philly had the clear advantage in that regard as well. Philly's pass defense is arguably the best in the NFL. Now, San Francisco overall, their defense is the best, I think. But offensively with Hurts, you can get so much different ways to attack any type of defense that I think that will prove to be the difference. If you want to play devil's advocate, Philly's weak part is the run defense. They rank 21st according to DVOA, and they let the Giants get six yards per carry. 
but I don't know how long that's going to be sustainable. At some point, the pressure has to be put on Purdy, and I don't know if he's going to be able to overcome it. So, look, I would love my futures bet to hit in the 49ers to win, but I think I'm going to hedge and hedge stronger in the side of Philly. So I lean with them covering two in the hook in this game. Are you over, under? I mean, they've been so – I went all overs last weekend and was over. So. <laughs> I, you know, in you this sound game, shocked. <laughs> I'm just cracking up because I remember hearing that stat. So that, it's tough. But look, I, the NFL playoffs are a little bit different beast. And, you know, everybody's looking to bet the overs and wanting to get infatuated with that because they want to see a high-scoring game. But, look, in this first game, I have, a, I have a really difficult time getting a gauge on both. If you think Purdy will be fine with passing the ball, I think over is the right move. But if not, then they're really going to try to take the pressure off of him and run the ball, which would make it a lower-scoring game. And, look, the 49ers' defense at some point will get beat by Philly, but if they can contain and hold their own enough, that would still age it to the under. So it all comes down to what you think the 49ers' offense can do, I believe. But, look, I did bet the under in the next game, actually, guys. I did under 48 for the Bengals and the Chiefs. And that's because you have a Cincinnati team that, look, I've been clamoring about for a while as my top-rated AFC team for quite some time, but this is truly a unique situation because of the unknown with Patrick Mahomes. And instead of wetting out a side pre-flop, which I think the better way to go about it is wait in-game, see how Mahomes looks, see how both of these teams look, and then adjust it in your mind and then bet it. But I think pre-flop, you can get a better advantage on the under because, again, Cincinnati actually has a defense this year. And Kansas City's defense isn't the best, right? I mean, they're definitely vulnerable, but they avoid allowing huge pass plays. Like, they allow just 9.2 yards per pass completion, which is third fewest in the NFL. Now, their weakness, especially as of late, over the last three games, they've allowed opposing tailbacks 5.3 yards per rush attempt. 7.6 against Jacksonville. What did the Bengals do exceptionally well last week against a good run defense? They ran the ball with Joe Mixon. Why would you change it? I mean, start it off by running the ball, and if they can do it successfully, they'll do it methodically, and that'll take time off the clock, and Cincinnati can control time of possession. Then on the other side, not only do you have a good Cincy defense, but you have a hindered Patrick Mahomes on the offense, which, again, I think will not bode well for this being a higher-scoring game like we've been accustomed to the last three times these teams have met. So I'm going under 48 in this game. Would it shock me if it completely went over? Of course not, because the last three times they've played, it's soared over. But this is a different situation. This is a different Bengals team, and this is not Patrick Mahomes at 100%. So give me under 48 for that game. And uh, really, I just did a prop to uh, Samaj P. Ryan over two and a half receptions at plus 125. I don't know how much time we have left, so I won't go too deep into it. But that's another prop I did for this game as well, guys. Daddy Burke with us. Vincent Sports Network at Daddy Burke 5. Burke's best bets. Daddy will wrap here with the minus one. Is this just a setup or is it really going to be a one point ball game? It's just one of those things where they open Kansas City minus two in the hook, and you saw this game going down with Cincy, and everybody now is finally enamored with them, and everybody and their mother wants to bet them. And then you're realizing, well, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be 100%, and you've seen what's happened the last three times they've played. I personally wish not everybody was in love with the Bengals because when that happens, usually you know the contrarian side comes about. But I've had this notion of the Bengals being the top team for like two months now, 
So I still think they give an edge, and it's really just because of liability right now, right? I mean, with the sports books, you're getting money on both sides. Oh, you get Kansas City in almost an underdog role. Oh, you're getting Cincinnati at a cheap price against a banged-up Mahomes. Like, it's just equal action, and it's still going to move so much by the time we get to game time. So, realistically, it's not going to fall right there. You know, it'll probably be a field goal or touchdown game. The last three have been a field goal game. Why should this one be any different? But, really, I, you know, it's just who do you think is going to win? Just take the money line at that point. Yeah, Danny, that's what I was going to ask. With this, with this line at one, do you just recommend following your, your heart and picking the money line whichever way your heart leads you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, what do you say? Maybe like 10 cents at most. Like if you're if you're going to be doing minus one instead of a money line, the chances it's going to fall on one are slim to none. But why even allow that opportunity pre- to present itself? Like pay five cents more if you're going to even do And some books don't even do that. Like I'm looking right now, like Kansas City on the spreads minus 115, but on the money line, they're minus 113. Like it makes no sense sometimes because these computerized algorithms don't make it the way it should be so make sure you're looking at bold and even if it is a little bit more expensive pay the two five cents more for the money line just for a little bit of security daddy burke with his vcent sports network follow daddy on twitter at daddy burke five hear him on vcent throughout the weekend across the nation and of course on sirius xm and uh, be sure to check his podcast out daddy enjoy your football sunday bud it was great to get caught up with you thanks for the time Absolutely, guys. You too. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff with Daddy Burke. few minutes there. Loaded show today. We dove into Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska basketball's prospects as uh, 10 games left. The tough one against Northwestern. Thoughts from uh, a proud papa, Joe Burrow. Jimmy uh, Burrow checking in with us. We'll wind down a Thursday next on Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, thanks for spending time with us on a Thursday with Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal at, say it with me, C underscore Clark underscore 27. <laughs> on Twitter for Connor Clark. Love it. It's pretty good. See, it sucks. Connor gets such a better plug for his Twitter because it's just so distinctive. You can't forget it. It's like No, you can't. You can't. Can you forget last night's ball game, calling it? Did you go home and weep? Not because you're cheering for Nebraska, but because you had to endure that turnover fest? No, not really. I haven't. I got to listen back to the audio a little bit more, um, just from a, a business standpoint, uh-huh. I guess. But. Look yeah, at Connor. He's, I mean, doing, he's checking his That's what I was going to say. You think what's, he cares about the game? About? Connor cares about his call and his call only. Hold on, Schmidt. The Bulls on are on line, Hold too. On. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it was, yeah, turnover fest. I, I talked about it with a couple of my friends afterwards, too. It was like a part of it kind of felt like we were watching last year's team hmm. at, at, at certain points, especially in that second half because there were a bunch of quick trigger threes early in the shot clock, a lot of forced passes that weren't necessarily there. And when you're playing a team like Northwestern, and they're usually pretty good at defense, but this year they are very good at defense. They are eighth in the country in defensive efficiency. Shockingly, that's only third in the Big Ten. There's two two other teams above that, which is Purdue and Rutgers. But 
when you turn the ball over that much against a, a good defensive team like Northwestern, you're not going to have much success. And I think I, I know Nebraska didn't play a great game last night, but give a lot of credit to Northwestern. Mm-hmm. They do not look like they just came off a nine-day COVID pause. They won two games in three days. I think they're a legitimate tournament team this year. If I'm Fred, I'm finding somebody with COVID. <laughs> That's wrong. No, I'm, I mean, no one needs I, to, I agree, to get sick forever. I'm just saying maybe they need a pause. I mean, well, they got the extra day to prepare, I guess. Didn't matter. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of my take on the COVID thing, too. Is it actually going to matter in the, in the grand scheme of things? Two, two of your most important you can, players are you can pro, You can procrastinate. <laughs> <laughs> you just put it off. Maybe we can't. Maybe there's more, uh, oh, my God, there's 80 feet of snow, so we can't get to X, Y, or Z. <sighs> Craig asks an important question that we did not ask Mr. Burrow about. But I got a chuckle out of it. I'd really like an unfiltered answer on what Joe Burrow thinks of Mario Verduzco. Hmm. I bet the answer- I think as a person, everybody enjoys Super Mario. As a, as a coach, I don't know. I never coached for him. I know uh, the, the the former Central Florida. Mackenzie Milton loved the guy. Well, I, I bet it's one of those things where if you'd have gotten the unfiltered answer four years ago, it'd be different than the unfiltered an- answer now. Mm-hmm. I bet you probably. I don't think they worry about it anymore. No, that's what I'm saying. I bet four years ago, you probably have a chip on your shoulder with Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco saying, "Well, we know you dreamed of playing for Nebraska, but we like our quarterbacks." Right now, you probably have a chip on your shoulder from that. But once you make it in the NFL and you're playing in the postseason, well, you're playing for Super Bowls. I don't think you care. You don't even. even in 2019, you, did he? Yeah, have you a don't chip trade on his shoulder or, or 18 for the love of God. Right. You still went finished sixth in the country and went to the Sugar Bowl, mm. right? You weren't home for the holidays. And and the year later, you do everything at the best that's ever been, 60 touchdown passes. But remember what we learned from those like those high-level athletes? We learned it in the Jordan documentary. They keep a, a chip oh, on the shoulder you, for a while for no, you keep You keep notes. Back at you on a Friday tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.